This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. Welcome to Questions and Ethics. This is Russell Moore, and today we're having a very special conversation with David Oyelowo, who is the actor in the new movie Selma, playing Martin Luther King Jr. I saw that movie uh, right before Christmas. I had a screening uh, my friend uh, Joshua Dubois put together, and uh, it was a powerful movie. I mean, I I found myself thinking about the movie constantly in the weeks since uh, seeing it. And so it is a really great joy to have uh, have this phenomenal actor playing Dr. King uh, with us today in this conversation. David, thanks for being with us. Uh, my pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Now, you, I understand, have always had a sense that one day you would play Martin Luther King. Well, it, it, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say always, but certainly since 2007, um, as the listeners can hear. I uh, am not from America. I'm actually from the UK. And my wife and I moved to Los Angeles in uh, May of 2007. July of 2007, I read the script for Selma and felt God very clearly say to me I was going to play uh, Dr. King in this film, Mm. Selma. Um, And at that stage, you know, of course, I knew who Dr. King was. but I never looked at him and thought, oh, yeah, one day I'm going to play him. I'd never really delved deep into who he was um, either. But, you know, I, I do know the voice of God in my life. And uh, having heard that, even though it uh, shocked me, it uh, confused me because, uh, you know, I'm British at that point. I hadn't done uh, any Hollywood films. I knew that I was not by any means going to be the first pick for this. But, um you know, that, that's where the journey uh, towards all of this began. Was it difficult to sort of uh, inhabit, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you're, you're British and, and Dr. King uh, was a Southerner, and you had to sort of uh, recalibrate uh, your accent and, and everything else. How did you prepare to, to sort of inhabit the life of this really remarkably phenomenal uh, figure in American and in world history? Well, you know, God having told me that I was going to do this, you know, he didn't abandon me. He took me through a, a an education in what it is to be African-American in this country over the last 150 years. I did a film called Lincoln in which I played a Unionist soldier mm-hmm. uh, opposite uh, Abraham Lincoln, opposite Daniel Day-Lewis, who played him in that film. Uh, I played an African-American fighter pilot in the, in the film Red Tails. I played a preacher in The Help, and then I played the son of a butler in The Butler, uh, a, a character who is in the Freedom Ride in the Sittins, becomes a Black Panther, and then a senator. So, you know, Lincoln is set in 1865. Selma is set in 1965. The butler goes all the way up to 2008, uh, the, the beginning of President Obama's presidency. And so, you know, that that was a journey I didn't anticipate. Those films came along uh, in between 2007 and now doing Selma. So so that helped uh, just in terms of uh, just getting culturally getting embedded into 
what went on in this country racially, civil rights-wise, uh, over the last 150 years. And then, you know, again, knowing that this is something I was going to do at some point, I spoke with everyone who would speak to me, uh, who knew anything about him, who knew him, Andrew Young, uh, who was a right-hand man to him, mm-hmm. was incredibly helpful to me, um, talking to me for hours on end, showing me footage that the public haven't really seen. Um, I went to where Dr. King was born, where he died, and everywhere in between. And so, you know, between that and then just the, the work of when we actually knew we were going to start shooting, putting on a bit of weight, shaving my hairline back, breaking down the way he spoke, working with a dialect coach, shooting in Atlanta, Selma, and Montgomery, all the places where some of these events took place, all of that helped with that, with getting me into the character. What struck me in watching this film is that it's a very morally serious uh, film uh, from, from beginning to end. It, it starts with uh, that act of awful uh, terrorism against uh, the children in the Birmingham church, and it, uh, and it goes all the way through uh, the march uh, on Selma, and it's morally serious without being preachy. Um, mm. You know, sometimes when films are dealing with with morally serious issues, they can come across sort of like after school specials from back in the day, where here's right. the here's the moral of the story, and the people who are on the wrong side are totally wrong and, and cartoonish and, and caricatured, and and it it avoided that. I wonder how it was it was able to be morally serious in dealing with the complexity. I think it had a it had a high view of sin. Uh, showing mm-hmm. how people could be on the wrong side without turning them into cartoon villains um, mm-hmm. and, and showing the struggles that people on the right side uh, were having internally uh, as, they're, as they're working through this. Um, I, it wasn't two-dimensional uh, to me at all. Um, was, mm-hmm. was that an intentional uh, process as you're preparing to, to bring this uh, Selma picture to the rest of the world? It was absolutely intentional, and I think that the way you make sure that it doesn't feel like an after-school special is that you give every single character complexity and dimension. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and and therefore, that's why we're, we're called to not judge. Mm. But there is absolutely a... Uh, uh, moral there is a, a moral code by which we are supposed to live especially as christians um and you know dr king and his band of brothers and sisters a lot of them were ministers and what they were talking about was love in the in the face of hate sacrificial love as exhibited by christ in the bible and so they had they had a moral position a spiritual position but they were still human beings they were fallible mm-hmm. and that's why i think it doesn't feel like a sermon on film because you are seeing yourself in dr king we wanted to make sure even though he is an icon even though he is a, a celebrated historical figure he didn't walk this earth thinking of himself as an icon he was a mm-hmm. fallible man he had weaknesses he had strengths and we want to exhibit all of those so that we see ourselves on screen. I truly believe that's why we go to the movies. We go to see ourselves on screen as opposed to just sit back and watch uh, uh, superhumans interacting with each other. Um, 
And that, that, that's what we did. We tried to give layering to Dr. King, layering to LBJ, layering to Coretta Scott King, layering to the movement, show that not everyone was moving in the same direction. Even within the movement, there were disagreements as to how to proceed, even though the end game was the same. And that's life. That's what we all recognize. And I think that's why people are watching the film and are identifying with it and are inspired by it because it reflects their own lives. You know, one of the things that I've heard, and maybe you can correct me if this is not true, is that uh, there was an issue that no one has the rights uh, to use the actual uh, content of the Dr. King uh, sermons and addresses that we're all so familiar uh, with. Mm. So all of the all of the dialogue, all of the all of the preaching, all of the speaking uh, had to be had to be new, uh, had to be other than that. Do you think that that was helpful in in kind of getting around the way that we all have? The March on Washington uh, speech, it's embedded in our minds. And so it can, it can sort of seem um, above reality. It's, it's something we know from history. So that in this, we were confronted with, with words we hadn't heard before, content that we knew, but words we hadn't heard before in the voice of Dr. King. Do you think that was effective in, in kind of moving this film into that extra layer of, of moral complexity? I think absolutely. Um, the truth of the matter is that the Selma campaign is not is nowhere near as famous or embedded in the public's consciousness as, say, the March on Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, our our film is after the period in which Dr. King gave the "I Have a Dream" speech, and it's before the mountaintop speech. Mm-hmm. You know, two of his most famous speeches. He did give um, uh, the the "Now is the Time" speech. Um, at the end of the summer march, but even that speech is not that famous. So um, even though we didn't use the actual words, I, I think unless you're a scholar or a real uh, um, student of Dr. King, you're not going to watch the film and, and discernibly notice that, that we, we haven't used speeches. Um, but absolutely, it was very freeing to not be tied to speeches that people could literally go onto YouTube and compare and contrast. Wow. I, I personally can't think of anything worse than <laughs> having to do the I Have a Dream speech because, uh, like you say, it, it goes from what we talked about earlier of complexity and dimension and really feeling like you're there and watching these people living and breathing on screen to suddenly you go into your sixth grade class of doing that speech uh, and you disconnect from what's actually going on on the film. Also, you know, in, in not using the actual speeches, it meant that we were able to tailor the speeches and tailor what was being said to the narrative that we were weaving. We wanted this to not just be about politics. We wanted it to be about the people. We wanted you to see who Dr. King uh, was behind the veil at home with his kids when he was with his friends. And we didn't just pick information out of the air. We spoke to people, read a lot, you know, spent a lot of time, like I said, with Andrew Young, who knew him intimately. Um, And so... I think that that was something very freeing for us. It also meant we had to really study, certainly Dr. King's cadence, his rhythms, the way he spoke, in order to, even though we weren't using the actual words, to make it feel like him. But that's all you can do as an actor playing him is to evoke the spirit of him. I can't actually be Dr. King. And, you know, once you're already doing that, you know, you should use words that uh, speak to that spirit, so to speak. 
as a man of faith, uh, what would you say is the role of faith uh, in this film and then in the, in the larger uh, picture in the Selma March itself? Well, faith is a, a huge theme in the film, and it was, of course, the thing they needed to hold on to fastidiously for this to work. Um, racial tension, discrimination, uh, the legacy of slavery, these were deep-seated and very long challenges for black people in this country up until the 60s. And to have faith that things were going to change was something that you had to dig deep for, because in all honesty, the evidence of centuries gone by suggested that this was an uphill battle that was going to continue to be the case. But I think what you see in Selma, uh, the film, is not only was Dr. King a speaker of the word, we celebrate him as an orator, but he was a doer of it. And that's the attribute I most admire in any Christian. You know, we have the Bible as the foundation of our faith. It is full of words. But, you know, faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. You have to actually get out there and do it. And for 13 years, from the age of 26 till his assassination at 39, he left his home and did it. There were so many times he could have said, you know what, guys, enough. You know, my life is being threatened every day. My kids' lives are being threatened. My wife's life is being threatened. My health is being challenged. There's so much pressure upon me. I feel like I've done all I can. But he, till the day he died, he was living out the calling he felt came from God. And I think that for me as a Christian, that's one of the most inspiring things I have felt playing him is the fact that he was not just a talker, he was a doer. Mm. Now, one of the things you couldn't have known as you were filming this uh, movie is that it would be released after one of the one of the most difficult years uh, in in uh, recent American history as it relates to uh, racial uh, tensions uh, in this country with Michael Brown uh, case, with the uh, Eric Garner case, with uh, with the Ferguson protests and, and other things. What do you hope uh, this movie will will do or communicate in a time in which we're just not as far along as we would have hoped we would have been in America? American society on these issues? Well, my, my hope is that people will see this film and remember again how costly the vote, which is now a, a right for all peoples, um, how costly it was. People mm. died for this. Um, it was hard fought. There were centuries in which it was not the right of, of black people, of women. Um, even beyond the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, you know, we're talking about another 102 years. People are still being marginalized and, and, and prevented from voting in Selma in 65. And the Voting Rights Act was actually passed after that campaign. Now, so the two things for me is that to not vote in, in, in many ways is to really diminish what these incredible Americans did. And not just black, white as well. After Bloody Sunday, as shown in the film, black and white came together. People of all faiths came together to not just deem this a, a black cause, but a an American cause. And, you know, we are now in a time in the country where the Voting Rights Act is being dismantled. Um, uh, people are being marginalized from voting yet again. Um, that, that's something that I think would really sadden both uh, Dr. King and uh, LBJ's hearts, 
when when they fought so hard to get this thing passed. The other thing that I'm very encouraged about is the protests that have, are going on beyond Ferguson and the Eric Garner situation is that they are largely peaceful. They are not just black people. They are black and white. They are young and old. And people are making their voices heard in, I think, an effective way. It's now just what are the demands? How do we go from here? How do we uh, uh, governmentally change things so that we don't make the mistakes of the past again? That's why I'm so, I feel so blessed that this film is coming out at this time, because I think it, it would be easy for young people to make the mistake of thinking we are in a completely new day. This has never happened before. We're, we're, we are, we are, these protests are completely fresh and new. Well, they're not. And, um, you know, to, to, to look at uh, individuals like Dr. King and several of the uh, uh, foot soldiers and, and amazing people who brought about change in the 60s and, and to look at what they did as a blueprint, I think, would be, uh, would be something that, that would be an amazing legacy of the film and an amazing legacy of the people who brought about this change back, back in the day. This is David Oyelowo, who is the actor portraying Martin Luther King in the new film Selma. David, thanks so much for being with us today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. I really encourage all of you uh, to go and see this movie, uh, Selma, and to, uh, and to, to reflect on it and, and think about what, uh, what this movie uh, means in terms of thinking about this uh, time in American history, both in terms of the, the depravity uh, evidence there, when you have people who are being uh, beaten on their way to, to simply uh, peacefully protest for their right to vote, uh, but also the hope uh, that comes with people who are driven by more than just... Uh, than just the immediate in order to fight for generations yet to come. It's, it's an inspiring thing to see. This is Russell Moore, and this has been Questions and Ethics, and we'll be back next time to talk about issues of the day. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip.